I'm Iman. And I'm Carla. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. Today's episode is a continuation of an ongoing series of episodes where Carla and I reflect on 2017 and discuss and rank our favorite pop culture releases. In previous episodes, we've shared our favorite TV shows and albums, but today, just in time for the awards season, we'll be reviewing our top movies. Yes! The Oscar nominations were actually just released, and for the first time in a long while, it seems the Academy actually got some things right. So all of that definitely got me pumped for our discussion of our favorite movies of the year. It's been a very interesting start of the year for awards shows and nominations, but honestly, that's for another episode in and of itself. (laughs) Today, we're talking favorite movies, and before we start sharing our lists themselves, why don't we do what we always do and start this episode with some broader reflections on 2017, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, so I posed this question to you with regards to TV a couple weeks ago, and now I'm curious to ask again. In terms of movie releases, how will 2017 be remembered? Hmm. I think 2017 was a really great comeback year for movies. Hmm. Last year, we spoke about how 2016 didn't really give us many great movies until the very end of the year. In contrast, 2017 seemed to give us a constant stream of really memorable movies from start to finish. Now that you mention it, that's very true and a good point. It was an ivy drip of greatness. (laughs) That's right. So in terms of broad observations, the biggest thing I noticed was that movies this year told us stories from new perspectives. We saw many movies from first-time directors. It was a great year for female directors in particular. And a lot of our favorite original screenplays were actually written by people of color. In short, the amount of hashtag diversity we saw this year was really noticeable. And as a result, I think the movie industry really benefited from all that inclusivity. True. My next observation is really, really minor in comparison, but I'm going to mention it anyway because none of these movies made my top five list, but they're still worth mentioning. 2017 was a pretty great year for superhero movies. You would think by now we'd be experiencing major Marvel fatigue, but I was pleasantly surprised by the creativity and range in the superhero movies I saw this year, particularly movies like Logan, Wonder Woman, and even a sillier movie like Spider-Man Homecoming. 2017 superhero movies showed us that with a unique approach, even the most familiar stories can feel fresh and exciting. What about you, Iman? What are your thoughts on 2017 movie trends? I'll start by responding to your last point. Uh, I kind of already did, but we recently saw Logan and it was great. As were some other more niche superhero movies. I didn't see it myself, but I know that Thor got a lot of attention for having been directed by Taika Waititi. So it seems like whereas before the model seemed to be 
You take these directors that have created really cool indie movies and make them conform to the what you want them to to do for your franchise. Mm-hmm. It seems like franchises are actually taking advantage of talent and maybe lesser known talent that's out there and letting them do do their thing. Yeah. Um getting back to the point, I I'd say 2017 also brought us other blockbusters also superhero movies but i think of them more like just tentpole movies like guardians of the galaxy 2 or the billionth pirates movie that we got this year and i completely forgot it even came out yeah but as you pointed out earlier i needed to be reminded that these movies happened while researching this year because there were so many good indies that eclipsed all of these giant movies Last year, I remember raving about Moonlight and secretly wondering when and if we would get the joy of being surprised by another touching and artfully told cough, POC, cough story. (laughs) As you mentioned, 2017 did not keep us waiting. I won't get too into detail, but I think that overall, movies did do a really good job of reflecting and responding to current social tensions and... We keep mentioning it even in our top albums list. Yes, political turmoil. (laughs) But they did it through such unique filters, from horror to rom-coms to apocalyptic dystopias. (laughs) We had things to talk about year-round. And again, like our music episode, I find myself admitting that I have a lot left that I still want to catch up on. I'm looking at you downsizing. (laughs) No. I am definitely kidding. Okay, moving on. Let's shift our attention towards our top movies list. So, okay. So like our episode on our favorite TV shows, we're only going to be ranking our top five movies of the year, which means that there are a few movies we liked but didn't quite make it to our list. Carla, do you want to share an honorable mention? I have one. And I chose it as my honorable mention because I think a lot of people slept on this one. My honorable mention goes to the movie Marshall, starring Chadwick Boseman and Josh Gad. Ooh, I still have to see that one. The Marshall the title refers to is, of course, Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American Supreme Court justice. And this movie follows one of his earlier career-defining court cases in which Josh Gad, in classic Josh Gad fashion, acts as his sidekick, (laughs) who in this case is also a lawyer. This could have been a dry biopic sort of movie, but it isn't. Marshall acts more like a suspenseful courtroom drama, which was only enhanced by the excellent acting performances in it. I really enjoyed it, and I think you'd like it too. Ooh, that... I'm so glad that that made it to our honorable mentions list. It's one that I was excited to check out, but just kind of swept by. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think... I saw all my movies with you this year. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, I mean, the only movie that I saw without you was The Big Sick. Oh. And you watched it literally the same day I saw it in LA. So in terms of honorable mentions, I really got nothing beyond a mess of Netflix Christmas movies that I watched. And those are not honorable mentions. Um, If I'm reaching here... 
I'd say a non-traditional contribution to this conversation about movies would be a particular episode from this last season of Black Mirror, which was released on December 29th, so it still counts. (laughs) The episode was called Hang the DJ. It's basically movie length, so I'm going to argue that it fits here. But I would say it's, it's a really great episode that I would recommend to anyone interested in romance and future imaginings of dating apps. Most of the rest of the season was pretty disappointing to me, but that episode, oh, I just, I really liked it. I like that recommendation. Thank you. I was afraid it would not really fit this list, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> Speaking of lists, let's dive right into our top five. So as I mentioned, I saw most of my movies with you, so naturally our favorites also aligned. Rather than each share a list, we've combined our individual lists into one screensaver certified top five. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We've mentioned most of these movies in previous episodes of our podcast, but it's been a while since we've talked about most of them. So let's work our way up the list from number five and get into the details. So starting off our list, number five was Blade Runner 2049. (laughs) Like I said, it's been a while since we talked about this movie, so I'll give a quick synopsis. This movie, of course, is about a young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret which leads him to track down a former Blade Runner, Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. That's about all you need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Blade Runner 2049 is on our list because it achieved so much of what many other sequels fall short of. It was visually stunning, the storyline was complex yet engaging, and above all else, it was a worthy addition to the beloved Blade Runner franchise. I had a lot of fun soaking in all that this movie had to offer. Agreed. Like the first Blade Runner, it was a movie that I didn't completely understand, but I feel compelled to rewatch, like a moth to a bright light, and (laughs) this movie has a lot of bright lights. I mean, just the details really stuck with me beyond that initial viewing. There was the wooden horse, the jacket with the giant collar, that Mm -hmm. deep sense of loneliness that persisted in both the Technicolor City and Barren Wasteland, though. (laughs) Man, I I really can't wait to to give this movie another whirl. But uh, speaking of movies that we've mentioned wanting to rewatch, number four on our list, Coco. Yes! Coco. This one is a bit more recent, but in case you missed it, Um, Here's a quick synopsis. The movie follows the story of a young boy slash aspiring musician, Miguel, who, confronted with his family's ancestral ban on music, enters the land of the dead to find his great-great-grandfather, a legendary singer. We talked about this movie recently and praised its sweet story and attention to detail when it came to Mexican culture, I'll just leave it at this. I'm really happy this movie exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved Coco, and I loved that the aspects of the movie that have stayed with me the most are its tender devotion toward 
family traditions and pride and ancestry. It was a beautifully told story that felt custom tailored for us. And yeah, I cannot wait to revisit it again and again. Alright, so moving on to the top half of our list. When I spoke earlier about how unique stories were brought to life by new voices this year, I was particularly referring to our top three movies of the year. Number three on our list goes to Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Now this actually is the only movie on our list that we haven't dedicated an entire episode to, so for those of you who haven't seen this movie, Lady Bird is about an artistically inclined 17-year-old girl who comes of age in Sacramento, California. It's a very simple plotline, but in its execution, Lady Bird was able to capture so much of the nuances of growing up, including relationships with your parents and, yes, even going to a Catholic private school. (laughs) I found myself tearing up at the most random parts of this movie, and I think that's mostly due to the fact that it, in all of its obscurities, gets so much right. It's relatable in the best sense and is, all in all, an absolute delight. Yes. You mentioned we haven't done an episode on this. I think this is probably also the only movie that we're reviewing that is still in theaters, unless Coco is still in theaters. Mm. So if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. This movie felt like someone struck a tuning fork against my adolescence. You mentioned it was relatable, and I think that's one of my my most significant reviews of it. Not so much in the main plot points. I mean, Lady Bird probably drank more and kissed more guys than I ever have. (laughs) So not that, but more in the incredibly emotional snapshots that it provided. Hmm. There were these these mundane moments with best friends in... uh, hanging out during a free period or Mm -hmm. the exhilaration of running into a guy you like when you're a teenager or even just something uh, such a throwaway detail as the fact that cool kids in high school hang out in the parking lot after school yeah or go to denny's after the performance of the school play yeah (laughs) yes details like that and you also mentioned Catholic schools standing for daily prayer and doing <laughs> skirt checks. When have we ever seen skirt checks in a, in a movie? I mean, one of the other beautiful things about this movie was just how it took its time and had this sort of dreamlike pacing where it felt a lot longer than it was. This movie was, what, an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. It felt a lot longer. Maybe that was because I drank a lot of water before and had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but regardless, the movie was packed with so much strong emotion for being relatively short. Yeah, I agree. So good. All right, so what's our next movie on our list? Number two on our list goes to Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon's The Big Sick. Do you want to give us a synopsis? I would love to. Why? Because I love everything about this movie. (laughs) It feels almost criminal to have it as number two, but in a minute you'll see why. Here's what happens in the movie. 
Comedian Kumail Nanjiani and grad student Emily fall in love, but struggle as their cultures clash. When Emily contracts a mysterious illness, Kumail finds himself forced to confront his family's expectations, dot dot dot, and his true feelings. <laughs> we dedicated an episode to the way this movie redefined and revived the rom-com genre for us all, but even with genres aside, this movie was just quality. Quality writing, quality acting. We just touched on how deeply Lady Bird resonated with us as young women. This movie, The Big Sick, resonated with me as the daughter of immigrants. The way that it depicted immigrants raised specifically in this country and the way that the cultures, in this case Pakistani and American cultures, blend and Mm -hmm. also fail to blend was touching and just very well done. It never felt like it was mocking either culture. Yeah, that is such a good point. And another thing, I also cried so much (laughs) while watching The Big Sick. Me too, and this one I did cry. It's a funny and incredibly heartfelt story written with so much tenderness, it's almost hard to believe it's based on a true story. Yeah, if I weren't familiar with their story beforehand, I would have thought... No way. (laughs) What is our final movie? Our number one of 2017. All right. Number one could go to none other than Jordan Peele's Get Out. Yes. So, of course, Get Out is the movie about a young African-American man who meets his white girlfriend's parents for a weekend in their secluded estate in the woods. But before long, the friendly and polite ambiance gives way to a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the movies I saw this year, none stayed with me as much as Get Out did. I normally don't like horror movies, but this film defied all expectations and conventions to give us a truly chilling and thought-provoking social thriller. This movie was more than just a movie. It felt like a true cultural experience that felt so perfect for 2017. Exactly. I mean, the memes that came out of this movie, the jokes about Ben Carson needing to get the camera flashed. Yes, you know a movie's important when it has a lot of memes. Yes. As we may have mentioned in our podcast on the film, the premise of this movie kind of sounds like a comedy. Even Mm. when you were reading it just now, it sounds like something straight out of an episode of The Chappelle Show. Mm -hmm. But the deeply unnerving way that this movie unfolds and takes itself very seriously in a a good way, in a way that doesn't invite us to mock it for doing so, Mm -hmm. it left me deeply shook. Yeah. And I think it was so effective and resonant because it was so unabashedly written from a person of color's perspective for a POC audience. Mm Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele wrote what I hope to be a very fantastical scenario, but he included so many details that felt rooted in truth. Those mm-hmm. throwaway lines about a, a white character saying, oh, I would have voted for Obama again. All these little details. And I have to believe that 
that made it an impactful experience for a vaguely woke viewer of any race. Yes, the scariest parts of this movie weren't the fantastical elements of it. They were the parts of the movie that felt so familiar to real life. Yes, and I think that in some of the the only things that probably diminished this from having a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes, some people felt that it was somewhat of a divisive movie, but... To repeat my last line, I think any even vaguely woke viewer can get something out of it. Can get something out of it. Such a good movie. If you haven't checked it out by now, it's it's number one on the screensaver list. You have to check it out. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, come on. (laughs) All right. So there you have it. Our favorite movies of the year were Get Out, The Big Sick, Lady Bird, Coco, and Blade Runner 2049. What a good list. That's right. All right, so that does it for this mini episode of Screensaver. Be sure to check in over the next few days as we cap off our year in the review series well into February, (laughs) or pushing February, with our 2017 leaderboard and debate, who won the year? It's going to be great. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on our top movies list, be sure to connect with us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. If you want to hear more detailed thoughts on most of the movies we discussed today, be sure to check out our other episodes on iTunes, maybe rate us, I don't know. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.